you're, if you're up with this story, to, yesterday was chapter 7, and I, like I said, the longest chapter of the whole book yesterday, chapter 7. And yesterday, we, we kind of learned about love and, and Wyatt was, was talking to Jack, and those are two of the main characters in the story, and, and Wyatt and Jack had this interesting meeting where they met at a coffee shop, and, and things were just a little awkward and uncomfortable because Wyatt is this old guy, and Jack is, is a younger guy, and he's more in touch with things. He's more up-to-date with the world around him, and, and Wyatt walked in, and he happened to glance down at his computer screen and see that Jack was searching for love. He was actually looking for love on his laptop. And what Wyatt didn't know is that Jack was looking for love for someone in his life, a friend that he has named Alyssa. And Alyssa has been Jack's friend for quite some time. They, they were friends ever since she moved here in the fifth grade, since she moved to the town, little town of Jonesdale. And they've been friends since the fifth grade, but Alyssa lost her dad when she was younger, which was what led to the move. And when they came to Jonesdale, without that father figure in her life, she started doing things a little bit differently. And, well, she became that, that person that changes everything about her to try to get love. And I don't know if you know someone like this, but I've encountered several people like this in my life where, where they, they decide that, you know, there's this person that they have to have. And because they really want this person and, and they know what this person is into, well, then they're going to do all of these things that this other person does in the hopes that they will be noticed by the person they're trying to get. I don't know if you've ever known someone like that or maybe you've been like that. But, but Alyssa is that kind of person where she, she changes her whole identity to try to get love, to try to get the attention of a boy. And, and she's had these different identities where she, well, there was the, uh, there was the Les Mis phase to try to get Frederick. Uh, there, there was the football phase where she actually joined the team to, I think, I can't remember, I think it was Craig, trying to get the attention of Craig. And she didn't just join the team as a kicker, you know, she actually joined the team as a, a wide receiver and didn't even get noticed by him in the whole process. And, and there were a lot of other phases. The most, the most ridiculous phase and the most recent phase was, um, well, there was, a, there was a guy that she saw at a coffee shop in Marksville, a neighboring town, and she saw this guy get into an Uber leaving the coffee shop and being the, uh, you know, the really creative individual that she is, you know, she, she adapted her methods. Uh, you, you might call it a little bit stalkerish. That she, she decided, well, if I, if I become an Uber driver and, and I kind of hang out in the right area, then maybe, just maybe, I will be able to drive him home. And rumor has it that that actually happened one day. And nobody knows what happened to that guy after that. He, he just disappeared. Nobody ever saw him again. And she stopped being an Uber driver in Marksville. But there is one benefit of the whole story, and that is that now the little town of Jonesdale has an Uber driver. So there are some good things that have come about. But Alyssa changes her identity to try to get love. She changes everything about who she is to try to, to get the attention of a boy, and I don't know if you, again, know someone like this or this is like you, 
But I want to ask some questions and maybe get us thinking along these lines this morning. Have you in your life, or maybe right now, ever felt like love is a moving target? Does it ever feel like, like love is just constantly shifting and changing? And just when you feel like you're getting a grasp on love, on what it is, on what it is that you're going for, well, well, then they go and change the whole definition of it. Who is they? We don't know, but they're always changing the definition of love. And it seems like to me, as I look around the world around me, everyone has a, def- a different definition of love. Not only is it a moving target, but the definition of love is a moving target. Is love the problem? Maybe, maybe, you don't, maybe you feel like you have a good understanding of what love is and, and you know the feeling of love when you feel love and you feel like you're in love or you feel like you love something or someone. You, you maybe know what love is, but like they said in the video at the beginning of the service, how do we distinguish between love for pizza and love for our mothers? Is love the problem? And like Alyssa, who changes her identity to try to get love, do you ever feel like you're torn between identities? I mean, a a big popular idea that we have in our world today is the idea of compartmentalization, where we compartmentalize parts of our life. And and in this one area, we're this person and this identity. In this area, we're another person. So, So we have our work persona, and we have our home persona. And we have our Facebook persona, which looks nothing like any of the other personas. And, and, and we, have, we have the persona when we're out with this group of friends and the persona when we're out with this group of friends. Do you ever feel like you're torn between identities? Is there a tension? Is there a tension between who you are and who you wish you were? Does it ever feel like you go through the hard work and effort to change for someone or something only to arrive at what you thought was a destination, and then you find that the destination had moved yet again? And maybe it's not personas, maybe it's not the idea of love, but, but maybe for some of us it's the idea, it's, it's, it's chasing after the life we want, the life we so desire. And for this season, this is the life that we desire, and during this season we're going to become this person to try to get this life that we're chasing after. The unfortunate side effect of that is that this means that our meaning, our purpose, our meaning gets wrapped up in the pursuit of that thing. Our meaning, our our purpose, our reason for existence gets wrapped up in this thing that we are chasing so hard after, that, that we're looking to, to give us meaning. And so we seek things that we we think will give us pleasure. We seek things that we think will give us purpose. We seek things that we think will give us relationships and community. And who we are all along the way continues to change in the process. In fact, what I have noticed is that we even become religious in our pursuit of whatever it is we're pursuing. 
we, we make it a religion, right? We make it a religion that this thing that we're pursuing, this thing that we're chasing after is the most important thing in my life. And all decisions then are made based on whether or not they will help or hinder the pursuit of this life that I'm seeking. But then regardless of our zeal, we find that we've become something we never intended. And in the end, we still feel empty. What is love? Is love the problem? Could it be that the reason love is a moving target is because we're hunting other hunters? Are, are, is all that we're doing just chasing other people who are chasing other people? Are, are we just seeking after other people who are seeking after others or other ideas? Are we, are we following people who are following things? Are we following people who are following strategies and ideas and schemes? Maybe reason, the reason that love is a moving target is because we're chasing the hunters, chasing the seekers. I wonder if we if we really allow ourselves to wrestle with this idea, this concept of love, do we really know what love is? See, when you hear a story about someone like Alyssa and you've got someone in your life like, like Alyssa and you watch them and you observe them in their life and you observe them making all of these changes and adaptations to try to earn the approval of somebody, it's easy for us to judge, but really, if we think about it, if we get down to the core of it, really, we're all Alyssa. In, in some way, in some shape, in some part of our lives, we have been adapting ourselves to try to get something, to try to find acceptance, to try to find meaning, searching for pleasure. But what if, and I ask if you will just indulge me for a few minutes here with these questions, what if, what if love isn't actually a moving target? What if love doesn't change as much as it feel like love has changed in our lifetime, that, that, that where it has morphed and gone in all of these different directions, what if it's not really a moving target? What if love is what it has always been? We've just lost sight of it. Or maybe we didn't even really know it in the first place. I don't know if you know this, but I know this about myself, and, and I'll confess this, but I have this innate way of making everything in life about me. Right? I mean, I just, I just kind of have this, this thing where I'm able to make any situation you know, about me, and, and, I, and I think if, if, if everyone would just think the right way and just think like me and act like me and do what I wanted them to do and, and say what I wanted them to say, well, then we'd all be much better off, right? We have a way to, of making things about ourselves. But what if, what if it's both about us and not about us all at the same time? What if the point of love isn't about us, and what if at the same time love is about us? 
What if the point isn't to look for love in others, but that love is looking for us? I want to share with you some scripture this morning to, to guide us through the rest of our time and the rest of our thinking. One of them will probably be a scripture you've heard many times, John chapter 3, 16, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. We, we know John 3, 16, but there's some verses that come after that that have great significance for us, especially when it comes to understanding love. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, and, and we've talked about that word so, that God so, in this way, in this manner, loved the world. God, in this manner, loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Yesterday in the story, we, I, I said that we kind of had some, this dialogue between Wyatt and Jack, and Wyatt was trying to explain what love is to Jack, who, who clearly doesn't understand what love is. And, and over the course of the rest of this next few minutes, we're going to dig into some of those concepts that, that Wyatt shared in chapter 7. And it starts here, that God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world, God in this way loved the world that he gave. And he didn't just give stuff, he didn't just heap things upon the world because he loved the world. What, what he did was he gave his one and only son. A lot of us, when we think about what God gave to the world, I think we boil it down to things like religion. That, that what God gave the world was religion, but that's not what God gave the world. God gave the world his son. God gave the world his love, not a religion. A lot of us have the idea that, that God gave the world judgment and punishment. And that if God is doing anything, what God is doing is judging the world and punishing the world because we're not living up to his standards. And we think that God is giving us the penalty. That, that, that is how we see what God has done for us. What God gave or what God gives is harsh wrath. But the Bible teaches something entirely different. That, that what God gave, what, what God gave the world was love. And he gave the world his love through his son. And because, like we're going to learn in just a minute, because God is love, because this is who he is, because this is his nature, God sent his son in the world, into the world to save it. Not to condemn it, but to save those who believed. Uh, verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God sent his son because he loved the world and wanted to rescue it. 
And here I think we get this great picture of, of why we don't really understand what love is, why, why we have such a hard time wrapping our minds around the idea of what real love is. Verse 19 says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. At the beginning it says God so loved the world and then at the end it says people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The reason we don't really understand love, the reason we don't really grasp the idea of what love is, what God's idea, what God's design for love is, is because we're in love with the darkness. We're, we're in love with the world's idea of love. We're in love with, with our personal idea of love. We're in love with the, with the pleasures and, and the things that, that we feel because of love. And so the reason we don't know what love is is because we've loved something else, ourselves. We've loved ourselves more, and so we really miss out on love because love isn't really love until you give it away. This was one of the things Wyatt taught Jack, that love isn't love until you give it away. That's not how we talk about it. That's not how we think about it in the world around it. You know, around us, we, when we're pursuing this idea of love or romantic love or, or even community and relational love and fellowship and those kinds of things, we think that, that we have love when we're getting love from somebody else. When somebody is giving us love, then maybe we will give love in return. But love isn't love until you give it away. And it would be easy to make, to make a, a judgment and say that God did not, that God just gave his love to, to get us, that, that he was giving to get but what these verses would tell us is that, that God was not giving to get. God was giving to save. God did not give to get. God gave to save. Love isn't love until you give it away. Are we giving to get or are we given because we've been given so much? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. This is kind of a complex, complicated scripture, and I don't have time to get into all of the, the arguments that, that abound around these verses that have, that have perplexed scholars much smarter than me for much longer than I've been alive. So if you have those questions, you can talk to me after the service, and I'd be happy to, to discuss some of those with you. But, but I just want to look at the idea of love from these verses. We get, we get stuck up on the ideas of predestination when we're reading these verses, and we just maybe have missed what this says about love. Ephesians 1, verse 4, says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So the first lesson we learned from Wyatt is that love isn't love until you give it away. The second lesson is this, that love is a decision, not a destination. 
I think it would be easy to say that the world around us treats love like a destination. We think it's this thing we're going to arrive at and that once we get there, we'll finally be happy. We'll finally have found what we're looking for. And the reason we still haven't found what we're looking for is because we don't really know what love is. But love is not a destination. Love is not something we arrive at. Love is a decision. And this is what we see here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, that, that he chose us. God chose us before the creation of the world, before, before what we are standing on even existed. Before all of that, God chose us. He predestined. He wanted to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. That is, that, that's, that's like the best news that, that, that we could ever hear, that even before what we are standing on existed, God loved us so much that he chose us. He, he wanted to love us even before we existed. That, that is good news, and that's because love is a decision, not a destination. God chose us to be his sons and daughters. God, God chose us to, to adopt us into his family and to make us co-heirs with Christ. And he did this by giving his son, his son which he freely gave to us. Love is a decision, not a destination. Love isn't love until you give it away. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. We saw this on the video. God shows his love for us. There's that word again, his love for us, his unconditional love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God's love for us did not require us to change first in order to be worthy of it. God's love did not have an expectation that it laid out that you have to do these things in order to be worthy of my love. In order to receive my love, I need to see that you have done X, Y, and Z. And that is how so many in the world think about God's love, is that you can only be loved by God when you have done the things that he has said that you have to do. But what this teaches is that, that he loved us even when we were in the condition where we were rebelling against God. When we were giving God the finger and saying, I don't need you, I can do this on my own, Christ came and died for us. We were ungodly, we were rebellious, we were our own gods. And God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, he did not require us to change in order to be worthy of his love. He sent his son to die for us. Going back to John 3.16, while we were still in love with the darkness, God sent the light. While, while we were still embracing the darkness and infatuated with the darkness and, and wrapped up in the ideas that this world sells us on love, God actually loved us enough to send his son who is the light, which is the opposite of darkness, to send his son, the light, into the world to love us and to die for us. Even though we had racked up this amazing debt, God didn't even require us to pay that debt back in order to be loved. 
Isn't that amazing that, that, that we had racked up a debt, that we had incurred this debt because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, because, because we wanted to do things our way, and yet still Christ died for us while we were sinners, while we were rebelling, while we were embracing the darkness, while we were in love with ourselves and making everything about us. Christ died for us. That's because true love sacrifices itself for the betterment of others. True love sacrifices itself for the betterment of others. It it doesn't look to others to, to sacrifice for me and to give up for me. What true love does is that it sacrifices itself. And this is what we see in Christ Jesus and in God sending his son while we were in bondage, while we were slaves to the darkness, while we, while we were wrapped up and in chains to the darkness, God sent his son to die on the cross to pay for the debt that we had incurred with our rebellion against, against him. This is... This is what love is. This, is. this is love. Jesus sacrificing himself for us. Sacrificing himself so that we could have a better, more redeemed life. So that we could be transformed into his image instead of the image that we were born under. So that we could receive redemption, forgiveness. This is love. True love sacrifices itself for the betterment of others. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. This, by the way, is the, uh, the teaching that has the most teaching in the story. But it's one of those that we needed to kind of to get right. We needed to understand and, and get established in this love so that we could really have the foundation to work from. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 11, this, this should hopefully sound familiar to some of us. It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to pay the price for our sins to stand in our place and pay what we needed to pay for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, present among us. This is what Christmas is all about, that God's love was made manifest. It was here in our presence And the way that God loved us was by giving that son, sending his only son into the world, into the darkness, sending the light into the darkness, which is why Christmas is the season of light, sending his son into the darkness, his only son, and he sent his son to pay the debt that we had racked up for our love of the darkness. And that's what I was asking at the beginning, you know, love is one of those things that it's not really about us, but it is about us. It's not about us and, and, and our idea of love and getting love what we want for ourselves, the kind of love that we hope to find for ourselves. It's not about us, but at the same time, it is about us that God sent his son into the world because he loved us. 
See, it's not about us being able to love God or others in a way that makes us worthy. This is where I think a lot of us get hung up. We think we have, to, we have to love God in a way that makes us worthy of receiving God's love. Or we have to love others. We have to love the people around us in a way that makes us worthy of receiving their love. And, and this is the backwards way of love. It's not that, that we love to make ourselves worthy. That's not what it is. It's about God making us worthy through his Son. God sent his son, and through his son, coming and dying for us and and being raised to new life through the resurrection and ascending and sending the Holy Spirit, this is what love is. It's about God making us worthy through what his son did. And now it's not about us trying to earn and prove our position with God, but it's just about receiving, not achieving. It's about receiving what God wants to give us through his son. I think a lot of us, what we have done is, is we've played at this idea of love to try to get God's love. It's like, well, I think I'm going to love, love you just a little bit and just see what you do in return. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give you this and just see what happens. And I'm going to just give this area and that area, but not the whole thing. And we play at love to try to get God's love. But that's not how God designed it. He he doesn't want us to play at love to try to earn his love. He just wants us to receive his love. But that's not where it ends. See, here at 6-8 at Church, what we want to be is, is a people that are being transformed into the image of Christ. We, we don't want to just stay like we were. We don't, we don't want to just stay in, in the habits and patterns that kept us down for all of these years. We actually want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We want, we want God's love to change us, to radically alter who we are so that, so that when those who don't know God's love see us, they see God's love, that they see God in us. We want to be transformed by love and it's important that we understand that if we're going to be transformed by love, we become like what we love. We become like what we love. We see this here in the scripture. Because we have been loved in this way, because God loved us this way, well, then we will love one another in this way. Verse 11, beloved, if, if God so loved us, if God in this way, in this manner loved us by sending his son to die for us so that we wouldn't have to pay for the price of our sins, and if God loved us in this way, then we also ought to love one another in this way. So if we have our focus on God's love, if we are consumed with God's love and we, are, we, we have all of our attention on God's love, not, not on our pursuits, not on our agendas, not on our identities, not on all the categories of our life that we really want to be focused on, but, but if we have as our sole pursuit God and his love for us and, and we're focused on him and worshiping him and knowing him and loving him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, if we are, if we are obsessed and possessed by God's love, then we will become like God's love. And, and if we're becoming like God's love, then we will love one another like God loved us because we become like what we love. We cannot be focused and obsessed with something without also being possessed by it and becoming it. Possessed in a good way, by the way. Not, not like possessed with demons, although 
if you focus on that, you can get possessed by that too. But that's a different story for a different day. We become like what we love. If we want to become like love, then we need to focus on God's love. And that's a love that sacrifices itself for the betterment of others. A a love that made the decision in advance to love. And a love that gives itself away. I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of year. And and the main reason that I love Christmas, sure, there are are lots of, you know, memories that we called them Christmas cantatas, and, you know, the choir would sing every year Christmas in our church growing up, and, and we do all this stuff, the production, you know, and all, that, all the fun stuff, and, and, and we had the, the Christmas goodies that, that the people in the church gave to one another, and, and since my dad was one of the associate pastors of the church, you know, our, our kitchen table at Christmas time would just be covered in trays of candies and chocolates and fudge, and that hard candy, which I still don't know what it's called, but I'm hoping to get one of these days again to just taste it. It was a cinnamon spicy kind of a candy and had powdered sugar on it. You know, rock candy, I think. You know, I, there's a lot to love about Christmas and all the traditions and, and family gets together and you get together and you give presents. There's a lot to love. But, but the thing I really love about Christmas is that at Christmas time, we, we began this journey where God's love was made manifest. God's love was present. God became a man and walked with us. See, it was because of his love that that God sent his son into the world at Christmas. It was because God loved us that he sent his son into the world, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we, we worship God for sending his son. It was because of his love that God sent his son into the world at Christmas. We become like what we love. Our identity reflects our focus. Whoever or whatever it is that we have become, it's because we've been focusing our attention on some things. And if it's true that we become like what we love, what do you want to become? What are you becoming? What are we becoming right now? What is it that we are being transformed into? Right now, would you say that your life looks more like love or Does your, does your life look more like light or darkness? If it's true that we become like love, and what do we want to become? What are we becoming? What is it that we've been coming? What, if we looked at our life, if we really stopped for just a moment and evaluated our life and, and looked at who we are and who we have become at this moment, at this present moment and time, who are we, and, and what does that reveal about where our focus has been? Because I would guess, I would just make a guess that at the end of the day, what we would see is that our focus has been on things other than God's love. We sing that song earlier, 
reckless love. If it was up to us, we would never love the way God loved us. I mean, sending your only son to pay the debt for people living in active rebellion, it's reckless, right? I mean, it's crazy. It's insane. You would just never do that. We would never do that in our lives today. We would never act that way. Right? I mean, if you're a parent, you understand this. We, we would tell our kids to steer clear of that idea. Uh, you want to do what? I don't think so. You want to put your life in danger and run out in front of a car that is careening off of a cliff. You, you want to you just run out there because maybe they don't know they're going to run off a cliff, and you want to run out in front of them just so that they might see you, and you want to put your life in danger and you'll risk getting run over by that car. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's really a good idea. I don't think you should do that. Let's just stay over here where it's safe, and we'll watch the car go off the cliff and just see what happens. I mean, that, that's how most of us would probably respond, right? We, we wouldn't try to stop the car careening off of the cliff. We would just stay over here where it's safe. But God's love is reckless. God's love is crazy. God's love is radical. It's extreme. It's insane. When you think about the way God loved us, it does not make any sense in our common human thinking. It's, it's out of this world. Because God not only ran out in front of the car, but what he did was he ran out in front of the car and he traded places with the driver. He, he pulled the driver out and he got in the car as the car went over the cliff. It's just, it's reckless. It's insane. But true love sacrifices itself. True love pours itself out for others. And if this, is, if this is the crazy, radical, extreme, insane, reckless love of God, would it not be, could it not be just as reckless for us if we rejected it? Would it not be the greatest, most grave error of our entire lives to reject such a radical love? Let's not reject God's love. Let's, let's embrace it. Let, let's, let's reorder our entire lives around it. Let's be obsessed and possessed by God's love. What if I told you that you could stop changing your identity all the time to impress the different groups of people? What if I told you that you can stop changing who you are based on who you're around? What if I told you that you don't have to live out of fear of rejection or out of a fear of being taken advantage of? And what if I told you that you are already more loved than you could ever know? What if I told you that all those things you were doing to try to earn love and receive love from other people, what if I told you that it was all a waste of time and all that you really need to do is just receive what God has given to you. How would it change your life if we did that? I mean, how would it change even our Christmas season this year? How would it change our approach to the holidays if, if we just received God's love and the reason that we gave was because God gave himself to us? We, we weren't giving because we needed some kind of affirmation about ourselves, but we gave because we've been given so much. 
How would it change our year that's coming in 2019 if, if we just went into this year for the whole next year instead of trying to give, to get, to give, to get? We're always giving, but we always are doing it so that we can get something in return. We just gave because we've been given so much and because we've been poured so much into that, that we are overflowing with God's love and we cannot help but pour out God's love on the lives around us. How would it change 2019 if we just stopped Instead of living to receive, we lived to give. And the world around us was just the recipient of God's love pouring through us instead of us trying to take something from the world around us. How would that change next year? My deepest hope, my deepest desire, my deepest prayer for us as a church, for, for us as followers of Jesus Christ, is that we become this love, that, that we, we just allow this love to radically alter who we are, that, that we, don't, we no longer seek to find fulfillment in the world's ideas of fulfillment, but that, that we just, we receive this reckless, crazy, radical, extreme, and insane love that God has poured out on us, and as we receive it, as we allow God to pour it out into us, we let it change us into the image of his son, and into the likeness of the one that came to die for us. Jesus, before he went to the cross, gave a, gave a command to the disciples. He said, Beloved, love one another as I have loved you. This was the night before he went to the cross. And that command is, is, the, is the, the cornerstone command of everything we believe. That Jesus loved us enough that he would bear the weight, the burden of our guilt and shame. And he would carry that to the cross where he would endure the punishment that we deserved in our place. He paid for our life with his life, and he said, as I have loved you, so also you should love one another. Let's stand together. In a few moments, we'll take communion here. It's on the altar this morning instead of on the side tables. You can still come up the same way you're used to coming up. Just go back down the center aisle. And but it gives us this great opportunity at this moment to reflect on our lives. This is the picture for us. We, we say that often here, but this is the picture of not only what Jesus Christ did so that he could open a way for us to have a relationship with the Father, but also the call for us as his followers, that if we're going to follow him into a life like his, we have to first follow him into a death like his. We have to, we have to deny ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. And it's only in dying to ourselves and, and our love of the darkness that we can receive this true resurrected 
life-giving spirit inside of us. And I want to pray for us as we turn our attention towards that. Will you bow your head with me? Bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for this love. I thank you for this reckless love that you have poured out in abundance on us. That you have lavished us with love. That, that you has that you have just that you just poured it out in a reckless fashion and has just heaped it on us. What kind of love is this that, that the God of all creation, what kind of love is this that the God who created the earth that we stand on, what kind of love is this that, that not only would he provide a way for us to not die and spend eternity separated from him, but that he would actually call us his child, his son, his daughter, his heir. Father, I pray if we're struggling this morning with love, if we're struggling with the idea of love, not really satisfied with our lives at the moment. I pray that you would turn the focus and attention not only of our minds, but of our hearts and our souls. That you would turn the attention of our heart, of our motives, our affections, our desires towards you and your love. That you would turn our soul, our identity, what makes us who we are, that you would help us to turn that away from our inward focus on ourselves and turn it towards you, that in looking at you, we may receive the true reflection of your son, Jesus Christ, that as we look at you, we may find you reflected in us. And that in our minds, our minds would be consumed with the thought of God's love and that we would find ourselves dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on this love. Father, help us to be so focused on it, so obsessed with your love that we cannot help but become like it. And if there's anything in our life, Father, this morning, if there's anything that we have become as we sit here in this moment and as you search our hearts and as you do the work of, of coming into our lives and convicting us of those areas of sin where we have replaced you with something else, if there's anything in us right now, Father, I pray, not only would you bring it up, but God, I ask that you give us the courage and the boldness to get rid of it, to stop going to that source, going to that spring to find our sustenance, but that we would start to go to you, the spring of eternal water, the spring of eternal life, that we would find who we are, our identity, and your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.